Welcome to Dire Trip, where we deep dive into all sorts of spooky, horrific, or just plain weird crimes, lawsuits, and strange happenings all over the world. Without further ado, let's get into today's story. Welcome back to another set of three weird crimes I've discovered that weren't really long enough for their own video, but I absolutely needed to cover. We've got a Russian gamer whose rage took him to bizarre lengths, some US soldiers who were attacked by a ninja, and a priest who desecrated a church altar in a very outlandish way. Let's get started. First off, I'd like to give a shout out to today's sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. Now, this is a game I'm sure you've all heard about before. It's one of the biggest and best mobile games of all time. When you first start up the game, I'm sure you'll be surprised at the quality, kind of blown away that this is a free mobile game. The game has grown massively over the years, at this point having over 600 unique champions to choose from, all coming from different factions and each having their own unique backstories. Let's take the orcs, for example. Orcs usually don't have the best reputation when it comes to fantasy for, you know, some valid reasons here and there. While they were created by the Dark Lord, they do have some really legitimate reasons to resent humans. After a particularly brutal, drawn-out war, their lands were annexed, which forced most of the orc clans into becoming nomadic, roaming the wilderness. So now they're mainly focused on trying to survive. Finally finding an ally in Queen Ava of the Elves, they've decided to team up, despite not knowing that she may have ulterior motives. If you want to find out more about that, be sure to check out the campaign to get the whole story. And you know, they look pretty awesome too. You can tell that each one gets their own dose of personality when it comes to their design. What I like most about the game is collecting champions. I'm a completionist when it comes to video games, and collecting always gets me hooked. Not to mention, there's a lot going on in Raid this month. They've got special events every single day, and they're adding a lot of new champions. But the bigger update coming out this month is called the Guardian Ring. It's a huge new feature that gives you a lot more ways to use your champions, like a new faction guardian system, a new way to get legendary champions that you missed out on in earlier events, and a new way to upgrade your champions as well. It's a pretty big deal, and I'm personally looking forward to it, along with a lot of other people. With all these new updates coming out, Raid has never been any bigger and better than this. So now is really the time to get started. If you really want to get a huge head start in the game, all you have to do is hit the link in the description or scan my QR code and you'll get an epic hero named Chanalu, who is really great for tackling the Doom Tower, 200,000 silver, an XP boost, an energy refill, and one ancient shard so you can summon an awesome champion as soon as you get into the game. And all of this treasure will be waiting for you here. Thanks again to Raid, and now on to the video. Police in Russia are now investigating quite a bizarre case. A case in which a boy chose to end his life in a very unconventional sort of way. It all started when a miner named Pavel Maviv's body was found in his hometown, the village of Mogoshino in the Tomsk region. Young Pavel had been given an unspecified computer game by his mother to cure a bit of his boredom. His mom was an overworked single mother who likely just wanted to give her son something that would make him happy. Pavel quickly became addicted to the game, to the point where it was all he really wanted to do. An anonymous female source would go on to say that he would play the game at all hours of the day as much as he could, and that he would get, quote, 
nerves when losing a game. Nerves is putting it very lightly, apparently. One day after losing a match, Pavel was enraged, distraught, and simply out of his mind. He went out into the yard and grabbed a chainsaw. He picked it up, got the motor running, and completely cut off his own head. I don't even know the logistics of how this would work. I mean, maybe if you went kind of down diagonally, gravity would just kind of take care of it once you couldn't anymore, or, uh, I don't know. The police were called out to the scene when his body was found. Knowing that the chances of someone ending their own life with a chainsaw are slim to none, it was understandably seen as a possible murder case. A criminal case was opened immediately. It wasn't until the previously mentioned anonymous tipster told them that it was very likely that his post-loss rage was what led to his death. Apparently, it had occurred often enough that she could see it easily going to such extreme lengths. She pointed out the game, saying, This is what killed him. He spent hours at his computer and his nerves gave in after a game, she said. It wasn't long until the state-owned news was all over the case, for obvious reasons. This case would go on to take an unexpected turn, however. The Russian investigative committee confirmed that they would be looking into the case as if he had been incited to ending his own life. So why was this? Why was it changed to an incitement case all of a sudden? Well, it turns out that Russia has indeed had several of these kinds of cases within the past decade or so. So-called death groups online will allegedly try to incite minors into taking their own lives over social media and online games. It isn't clear yet if this was one of those cases, but it had happened enough in the past to warrant a closer look. Some of you may have heard of what was called the Blue Whale Game. This game took the form of a social media challenge, such as the Ice Bucket Challenge or the Tide Pod Challenge or many others that have taken place over the years. The game, though, would see the player competing to complete various challenges, increasing in difficulty and violence as you went on. That is, until the final challenge in which you need to end your own life, usually in kind of a violent, showy sort of way. In Russia, though, it is believed that at least a few people have died playing this game. If you're wondering why someone would ever even do that, the short answer is mental illness. These challenges tend to prey on the depressed, uh, the outcast, the isolated, people desperate to do anything for validation and praise. Given that the World Health Organization has deemed video game addiction to be a form of mental illness, it's likely that the argument about video games being unhealthy, detrimental, or downright evil will come to the forefront again. Online death groups in Russia are not uncommon. In 2015 and 2016 alone, 130 different miners in Russia ended up ending their own lives. They were all members of one or more of these death groups. In 2017, a total of about 1,400 death groups were found online in Russia, with a total of over 12,000 members and a collective of over 200,000 posts. Many of the leaders of these groups were detained or even arrested, at least 19 of them, with over 230 criminal cases being opened in total. As of now, the Russian Investigative Committee will not confirm or deny whether this case is related to any of those groups. 
But they are, however, treating it as if there's a good chance it is. There are some strange reports about a very unique crime coming out of California. Oddly enough, first through a snippet of an official document uploaded to a meme account on Instagram. The account then relentlessly ridiculed the incident for understandable reasons. The incident involved a very strange attack on a U.S. Army Special Ops unit by what appeared to be a ninja. Some members of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment were out training at the Inyokern Airport, which is out there in an airfield in the Mojave Desert. On September 18th, just last month, at some time around 1 in the morning, a staff sergeant was standing around outside of the administrative building for an airport hangar, likely minding his own business and smoking a cigarette, completely unaware that anyone was even out there. Suddenly, he was approached by a rogue ninja. The ninja came in closer, getting uncomfortably close to the sergeant. He looked him up and down and said, Do you know who I am? To which the sergeant responded, No. Do you know where my family is? He further inquired. The staff sergeant, again, had no response beyond, No. This was not a good enough answer for the ninja. Enraged, he took out a katana and began slashing the sergeant. He managed to hit the victim's phone, his knee, and his leg. The sergeant took off running toward the nearby administrative building of the airport hangar. Despite the cuts to his leg and knee, he was able to evade the ninja while running through the parking lot and get into the building, locking the door behind him. A captain was already inside the building, likely very confused as to what was going on. The ninja appeared to flee the scene, putting the victim at ease. That is, until he returned, carrying a giant chunk of asphalt. He hoisted this chunk up and tossed it through a window of the building. Breaking through the window, the asphalt hit the captain along the way, injuring him. Satisfied, the ninja then left for good. He fled the scene and vanished, as you would expect from a ninja. But soon after, the police were able to find someone fitting his description wandering down nearby Inyokern Road. Being dressed up as a ninja and holding a katana, he likely stood out. He was identified as 35-year-old Gino Rivera. He, as you would expect, resisted arrest, swinging his sword around at the police. The police used non-lethal projectile rounds on Gino, but they didn't seem to have any effect. Gino began running from the scene, but the police closely pursued him. He continued to resist, and since ninjas are weak against lightning, they finally tased him. It was super effective, causing Gino to drop both his sword and his body to the ground when an officer then tackled him. He was taken into custody. The two victims, the captain and the sergeant, were taken to a local hospital to get their injuries taken care of. The sergeant ended up getting multiple stitches on his leg and knee, and the captain got a nice set of his own stitches on his head. Both of them were able to return to work in a pretty short time. Gino was then taken into the central receiving facility for the crimes of attempted homicide, assault with a deadly weapon, brandishing a weapon with the intent to resist or prevent an arrest, vandalism, and obstructing slash delaying a peace officer in the discharge of their duties. The ninja's motives are unknown. It's likely he didn't really find his family as he was arrested pretty soon after. Stick with the channel and I'll let you know if there are any updates on this one.
a former priest in Louisiana, one particularly passionate notch of the Bible Belt, has been charged with vandalism and obscenity after desecrating his altar in a particularly fascinating sort of way. This case came about as a neighbor of the church was taking a walk one night in September of 2020. This side of this particular church that faced the road was largely composed of glass, leaving the inside of the church very visible to anyone outside. The lights inside St. Peter and Paul Roman Catholic Church were on much later than they usually were, making the neighbor curious and intrigued him enough to go see what was happening. And unfortunately, this neighbor chose to take a look toward the church and their eyes were cursed with an unholy vision. Up on the stage, the priest and two dominatrixes were getting freaky on the church altar. The priest was still half-dressed in his priestly attire, while the women were dressed in corsets and high-heeled boots as they used, uh, plastic toys on slash in the priest as they engaged with him. Various other toys surrounded the altar, along with two separate cameras on tripods recording the event. Interestingly, it seemed that they even got their hands on some professional stage lighting. The witness pulled out their phone and took a video of the incident. For proof, of course. Nothing more. They then called the police, who quickly arrived at the church. The neighbor then showed them the recording on the phone. After seeing this, the officers quickly went inside and arrested the three on obscenity charges, as the actions they were performing were fairly visible from the street. The priest was a man named Travis John Clark, a 37-year-old man who had been the pastor of the church since 2019. Ironically, he had taken the position from a man who had resigned from that same position that summer over an incident in which he was sending inappropriate texts to a student. The two women that were arrested were Mindy Lynn Dixon, age 41, and Melissa Kamun Chung, who is 28. On October 1st, the local archbishop announced that the priest had been arrested, but was reluctant to give any details as to why. The police were similarly silent on the issue. In custody, the two women told the cops that these acts were completely consensual and they were merely just, uh, recording some roleplay. Officers noted that it was consensual, but that didn't really change the fact that it was visible from the street, which was the problem, not some sort of problem involving consent that wasn't really an issue. Police took the cameras and toys as evidence as well. Dixon, who was an adult film actress who sometimes makes a little extra cash as a dominatrix, had posted on social media that night that she was heading out to New Orleans to meet up with another woman and defile a house of God. While the original charges against the three were pretty brutal and risked them all facing at least a few years in prison, the charges were eventually reduced. Now, each of the three faces one count of institutional vandalism, which means that they were caught knowingly vandalizing, defacing, or otherwise damaging property and causing damage valued at over $500 and less than $50,000 at the church, most likely referring to the altar itself. The reduction was mainly because the incident didn't necessarily occur in public, it was just pretty visible from the public. Gray area. The priest attorney, speaking of the police department, said, 
Once again, they have overstepped their bounds as this is nothing more than a thinly veiled attempt to regulate the morality of private individuals. Just because you don't like something doesn't make it criminal. So, no kink shaming, basically. Within one day, the priest was removed from his position at the church. The archbishop said that his acts were nothing less than deplorable. Regarding Travis, his obscene behavior was deplorable. His desecration of the altar in the church was demonic, and I am infuriated by his actions. He went to the church himself a few days later to perform a purity ritual on the altar to return sanctity to it. However, after, f however, after hearing the full details of what went down, he uh, just bailed on that plan and burned it. However, after hearing the full details of what happened, he bailed on that plan and just burned it instead. When the details became clear, we had the altar removed and burned. I will consecrate a new altar tomorrow. The priest and the two women were all able to post-bond and were released from jail shortly after they were taken in. The priest, Clark, had a whopping $25,000 bond, but he was able to pay it. Chung and Dixon each paid 7,500 bonds and were released. Once again, this has been your host, Kyle. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast episode. Feel free to look through my huge library of other stories if you found this one interesting, and be sure to be there for the next stories that come out each and every week. Have a good night.